Good day to you. This is a message from General Snobbery, from outside the fourth dimension. For months, while Matt has traveled the Appalachian Trail, I have kept hidden an episode your host recorded, awaiting the proper moment for its release. Now is that moment. Follow along as your host brings snobbery to new levels, psychoanalyzing the great Tekembe Mbutu, African warlord of Independence Day resurgence, and bear witness to the birth of General Snobbery's newest project, the campaign to write a script for Independence Day 3. From these outer hemispheres of existence, let us blast away into limitless realms of snobbery. Today is a special episode. It'll be briefer than our standard episodes because this is our first revisit episode in which Matt and I revisit one of our favorite films of the last several years, uh, which is Independence Day Resurgence. So hopefully you listened to our previous episodes on Independence Day Resurgence, and I hope you had many good laughs with us. Um, we certainly did. The movie is full of characters. The three main characters being um, <laughs> uh, Bill Pullman, uh, <laughs> um, the African warlord, and <laughs> uh, Brackish, Dr. Brackish Okun. What kind of last name wow. is Okun? That's, yeah. <clears throat> that's, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Matt and I have, well, if you, if you notice, we had three episodes on Independence Day Resurgence, really the first one is the only one that was really on that movie, and then we started talking about sequels, and then suddenly we were talking about, like, philosophy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, listener, if you happened to hear that, um, you might have felt a little uh, wanting of a little more regarding Independence Day resurgence, and I think Matt and I have both felt that we missed a couple really key ideas, so we kind of wanted to expound upon those ideas. So, right before this ap- episode, uh, Matt, you were talking about pretty interesting theory that you'd come up with regarding this movie so i wonder if you might divulge absolutely thank you sean so (laughs) listener if you did listen to our first episode on independence day resurgence you will remember how much of the episode we devoted to the african warlord and his sidekick floyd yeah who is an intern with jeff goldblum yeah floyd apparently yeah apparently this intern of some kind we don't even know exactly what jeff goldblum does he just knows everything so floyd is presumably going to take over that role but if you watch the movie you'll notice that after after maybe floyd's second or third time on camera he no longer has any interactions with anyone except the african warlord so i just thinking about it we talked about how much floyd and the african warlord are sort of a team but Thinking about it a little more, I sort of uh, recalled the movie Fight Club, and (laughs) I wondered if maybe in the movie Floyd is actually sort of a figment of the African warlord's imagination. We already know that this African warlord has many, many visions, um, and that he can decipher the alien language, so it's not so 
out there to think that maybe he also has a split personality. <laughs> and and it, would, it would honestly tie him to the main characters a lot more clearly than anything like, <laughs> rational, I guess. Exactly. So I just, I, if I ever end up rewatching this movie, which I'm sure in about a year and a half or two years, it'll be on HBO all the time. <laughs> yeah, or TNT. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I probably will watch it a lot more. And from now on, I'm going to watch it with the understanding that Floyd is simply a, 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 a kind of a another personality of the African warlord. And if memory serves me right, Floyd is basically brought into the film when they're moving into this African like uh, tribe tribal area of the Congo or whatever wherever it happens to be. So he's pretty much introduced right around the same time as the African warlord, which adds a little more legitimacy. So. The only real, I guess, gripe to that claim would be that Jeff Goldblum is apparently aware of Floyd, at least for the first half of the movie. Mm -hmm. But I think it's pretty safe to assume that if there's someone who would be aware of this African man's split personality before the African man is even introduced, it would be Jeff Goldblum because he knows everything and he's Jeff Goldblum. (laughs) You're right. Perhaps it was the intentions of one of the five male screenwriters to... Have to sort of in order for Jeff Goldblum to work his way into this African warlord society, he knew that this warlord had a split personality <laughs> named Floyd. And so he made references to Floyd in order to make the African warlord more comfortable around Jeff Goldblum. And so Floyd would be kind of that part of the African warlord's personality that he's trying to, to train, I guess, like that part yeah. of himself, that innocent part of himself that he had to kind of overcome in order to become this machete wielding alien stomping beast that he was because basically about halfway through the movie, he literally is like Floyd's mentor. He starts telling him like how to kill people. And he says like, you have a warrior's spirit. <laughs> we didn't even mention that last time. <laughs> <laughs> Which Floyd clearly doesn't. He's a buffoon. He is such a buffoon. And he he is he even looks like a total dork dressed up in like uh <laughs> armor and stuff. Yeah. And the warlord sort of bestows on him what seems to be the highest honor this man can give, yeah. which is telling him that he has the spirit of a warrior. Yeah. And yet Floyd also brings this uh Western perspective, aka he brings guns, and all of a sudden he's shooting guns side by side with the African warlord and Floyd kind of switches roles, like, all of a sudden, the African warlord is not, like, the master because he's not used to guns. Floyd definitely doesn't teach the African warlord, but I don't know, maybe it's the point where uh, his personality of Floyd is finally assimilated fully into his being, (laughs) and they're able to act in accord with one another by both shooting simultaneously and finally acting like friends. It's sort of this hero's journey of the second personality of the African warlord finally merging into one cohesive body. (laughs) And uh, you also pointed out, Matt, that in this strange scene where this spherical pod appears and Floyd, for some reason, breaks away from the group and touches it and he's basically getting sucked into it and people don't really seem to care that much. No, they don't. They're afraid that something's happening, but they're definitely not afraid for the life of Floyd. Um, yeah, they're more concerned that when he touched it, it turned on. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that they're about to figure something out. Um, I did some reading recently and there was this article I found. That, I don't know if it was an article, but it was like the five most ridiculous things about Independence Day resurgence. And it mentioned immediately the African man and actually referred to him as the African warlord. Oh, wow. <laughs> which, so we were not wrong. <laughs> which is amazing. And it talks about 
the scene where Floyd is getting sucked into this sphere, and it mentions something that I didn't notice, and that's that <laughs> as he's getting sucked in in the background, the African warlord can be seen to be unsheathing both of his machetes. <laughs> oh my god, that's right. <laughs> as if... I don't know, he's going to chop off Floyd's arms or something to like, that is right. make sure, or maybe just to save his uh, personality that's being <laughs> yeah. sucked into this strange, <laughs> distant object. Clearly, this African warlord has been through so much that the curious part of his personality has been demolished. He is no longer a curious man, but his second personality still holds that sense of curiosity. And I'm so glad you mentioned that, Sean. I don't remember if we mentioned that in our first episode on Independence Day Resurgence, but I remember when I watched that scene, when we saw it in the movie theater, and even just now as you said it, I remember thinking that was so funny. <laughs> that, like, literally, I could not laugh. I was I was crippled at how So you did notice that? I did, I did. Because <laughs> wow. my immediate thought was, he's ready to chop off Floyd's arms in order to... <laughs> In order to save as much of Floyd as possible, <laughs> he's going to chop off his arms, like, right below the elbows. <laughs> oh, man. Another thing about the African guy, um, Matt and I mentioned in our first episode that we don't think he was ever given a name. And mm. I don't I don't think he was in the movie. Um, but in my mind, I guess I had assumed his name was something like Umbutu or, or whatnot. And I didn't say that in the episode because I was afraid it might sound racist. Mm-hmm. But I looked up his name, and it's pretty much exactly what I guessed it would have been. His name in the movie is Dikembe Mbutu. <laughs> yeah, you got literally one of those names exactly right. <laughs> and maybe that's filtered a little bit by my, you know, looking back perspective. But I, when I saw that name, I was thinking that is exactly what I thought his name would be. There is no way anyone did more than eight seconds of research when they came up with his name. <laughs> if that was something that sounded African, exactly, gave it to that guy, and it is a great name. You know, it I is, applaud yeah. them for giving that name to that guy. Yeah, it's too bad they didn't use it more. They, I, I know, they probably mentioned it once, and At that most. was it. Yeah, <laughs> and again after. After that initial interaction with Jeff Goldblum in Africa, never again did the African or Floyd interact with anyone else. <laughs> Even when the African guy saves the day when this alien is massacring all these Western white people because their guns don't work and he slides underneath him and stabs him in the back with both of his machetes. Um, no one ever says thanks or anything. Yeah. <laughs> they don't even seem to acknowledge that he's with them. No, no. <laughs> he joined no. them at some point. <laughs> Now the one the one thing I think this movie could have done um better with the African warlord is <laughs> and the reason why I'm saying one thing because the way they made him just created such a piece of cinema to marvel at basically as evidenced by this how much we're talking about him but <laughs> there's a final sort of battle scene at the end and um the African warlord and Floyd are shooting guns I was really, really hoping that instead of shooting guns, the African warlord would just start like throwing machetes or something like that. <laughs> I, I completely agree. Like, you know, notwithstanding that whole digression we just had about that moment of both of them wielding guns as being the rectification of the African warlord's mm-hmm. id with his ego. Um, <laughs> I still wish they didn't do that and that he went rogue with his machetes because he just didn't look natural with that gun. <laughs> no, he didn't. That, that, that was a shame. He should have run around we only got to see him 
kill um, an alien by hand once and they really <laughs> they should have done much more like I'm yeah. almost even thinking like a 300 style montage where it's yeah. like slow motion <laughs> and he's just stabbing aliens in the back and decapitating right. them <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did it perfectly to the way they built up to that first kill. You know, he had already mm-hmm. told them, like, how he does it. And, you know, you get the sense that he's just super hardcore. And then he does it, and it's amazing. But, yeah, once it's done, he should have just gone rogue and massacred at least 100 aliens. Yeah. They, and we can only hope that in the sequel that is oh, bound yeah. to come, because I do have to make a correction um, in our first podcast, we pretty much immediately started off talking about how dismal the performance of this movie was at the box office, and apparently it was opening weekend domestically, but apparently it did amazing internationally. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's good It's already made, like, over $100 million. Okay, good. And uh, I think China is, like, the biggest... Oh, okay. I mean, we're, we're recording this episode about a week after its release, mm-hmm. or maybe a week and a half, and so, yeah, chances are they'll make another one, and we can only hope that the African warlord returns. And if he does, I will be there probably opening day. <laughs> yeah, same here. Please, if if you, one listener, happen to know Roland Emmerich or any of the five people who wrote the screenplay, please somehow put in a plug that that guy really has to return, and he has to be a major character. I yeah. Mean, Make him almost the main character, if at all possible. Explore more of that backstory, even. Um, and yes. please just show him murdering more aliens. Flashbacks. Oh, yeah. This is ripe for flashbacks and visions and yeah, all sorts of we things. We need to see a flashback of when his brother died in his arms. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, visions, dreams. Um, we already know he's plagued by like horrible nightmares yeah. and this weird ringing noise. Uh, I actually found there's like a whole wikipedia thing regarding independence day and its characters like wikia or whatever it is Mm -hmm. and i found the page for dikembe ambutu and there's way more backstory in this page than there was in the film that (laughs) unless i just missed it all that has to do with this character having like um disagreements with his father and (laughs) some big big tension in his family and having to like uh, try to impress his father and become this hmm. warlord while, like, I think he was pursuing education or something. Interesting. So I'm not sure if the screenwriters just made that up or if that's somehow in the movie and I just missed it, but there's a lot of great backstory to explore with that man. Yeah, that's... I appreciate that they took the time to create <laughs> that backstory. And not only that, basically everything I witnessed from this warlord in the movie and from what you just said, Sean, about his backstory makes me realize that as far as warlords go, this guy has to be, like, the most noble of warlords. He's kind. (laughs) He seems like he's a reluctant warlord. Probably his warring group is technically considered a terrorist organization, and yet no one seems to care that he's, like, all up in, like, U.S. security, like, throughout most of the movie. Um, It's just accepted, like, hey, this guy's a pretty good warlord. Yeah, and he holds no bitterness toward the USA for not helping him in their presumably very long ground conflict after the, the war of 1996. That's right. Yeah. The, yeah. the destruction of his people, he just sort of writes it off as like, hey, I guess it happens. So basically, in the first Independence Day, Matt and I have both recognized that the character of Brackish um is a very minor character. He's basically in charge of Area 51, 
and he definitely gets killed within a couple minutes. Yes. But then they decided to bring him back to life in the second one and basically imply he's been in a coma for two decades. And then all of a sudden he's like a really main character. Mm-hmm. Matt, you even suggested that he seems like yeah. he might be the main character. Yeah, I think he might be the main character. <laughs> <laughs> Of Independence Day Resurgence. And honestly, I think that's one of the film's bigger missteps because he was he was quirky and funny as this like side character and it was creepy when like the alien, you know, wrapped the tentacles around his neck and spoke through him and killed him in the first <laughs> one. But he's he's not he's definitely not like protagonist or like front and center material. No, so he's not. For the third one, they need to bring him back into the background he'll just hang at area 51 as we go on this intergalactic journey and the african warlord and bill pullman have to lead this charge <laughs> you're right bill bill pullman technically died in independence oh, day resurgence man. But that's another thing we didn't mention i yeah did not even realize he died yeah that was very <laughs> anticlimactic world. no one cared no like in he sacrificed himself he did which <laughs> harbors back to um the original Independence Day when Randy Quaid's character <laughs> sacrificed himself. Everyone knew he died. And right. That was it was the a big moment. Scene. And about Randy Quaid's self-sacrifice, it was pretty much inconsequential because <laughs> they ended up going after the mothership then, which like disabled all the smaller ships. And all Randy Quaid did was like destroy one of the smaller ships. <laughs> so, like, had he not done that, like maybe a couple more people would have died, but then that ship would have been destroyed. Yeah, you know? you're right. That would have been, maybe there's a little backstory, like, everyone's like, damn, this Randy Quaid guy's annoying me. <laughs> hey, Randy Quaid, you can help us out. <laughs> he was basically there as the token conspiracy theorist who mm-hmm. is actually right. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Similar to um, um, Private Pile from... <laughs> I was hoping you'd say that. Yeah. Hoskins. Hoskins from Jurassic World. Jurassic Please World. listen to our Jurassic World episode. Yes, absolutely. Um but you're right, Sean. Brackish in the third um, installment of Independence Day should take a minor role. Maybe he's like some higher up government official now, but certainly still quirky and knows a lot. But he should he should sort of do what um, what happened to Jar Jar Binks yeah, in, right. in the second episode of Star Wars. Yeah, and then the third when he maybe has a line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now I think there's one more. Um, one more topic we need to revisit that has to do with director Roland Emmerich. And it's something, Sean, that you, uh, you came up with a little later and it's your thought on the, the aliens and sort of an allegory they serve. Maybe you want to let us know what, what that is. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's another meaning behind one of these, uh, revisits, which I think Matt and I will hope to do for a couple episodes is that we'll record an episode, have a great time. And then all of a sudden over the next couple of days, feel great regret that we forgot to mention such great things, or at least like didn't didn't realize. And one of these for me when I was re-listening to our episode about Independence Day, um, it ended with Matt suggesting that he has this suspicion that Roland Emmerich really hates the British, and we use the Patriot as you know a pretty clear example of that when the British are legitimately <laughs> evil. Yeah, and he just so many scenes where they are massacred, and as the audience, you are really really happy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And for some reason, I did not connect that thought to the very thought of Independence Day, which is the basically celebration of America's independence from the British. And both of these movies um, apparently take place on the 4th of July, and they're all about kind of reclaiming independence. So I think it's not that far-fetched to suggest that the aliens of Independence Day 
are basically an allegory for the British. (laughs) They're these evil forces that are basically trying to control us and dominate us. And we have to muster this really intense American willpower, which is very militant, in order to overcome them. And so if that's the case, then the British in Roland Emmerich's eyes are basically these really grotesque aliens that have no conscience no conscience and um wish to <laughs> completely destroy <laughs> this civilization yeah like in the first independence day when bill pullman through brackish as the avatar asks the aliens something like um what do you want us to do and it just said something like die <laughs> <laughs> and you're so right because roland emmerich is german i'm pretty sure yes. and it's funny that he is he's made these these big American style blockbuster movies. And I can't think of other examples, but I know at least in a couple of them, there are some instances of the British really not being portrayed well. And the Patriot is the one that really stands out in my mind as several characters, several British characters in that movie are just truly, truly evil. Yeah. And, um, and you're right. Independence day, the 4th of July is the day that we celebrate independence (laughs) from the British. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't, I don't think a single like heroic character in either Independence Day films is British. Yeah, you're right. No. Even though I found out the uh, actor who plays Dikembe Mbutu, the African warlord, is from London. Okay. But apparently Roland Emmerich would only cast him if he plays an <laughs> yeah. African warlord because rogue Africans are more American than <laughs> British people. <laughs> you're right. The British have a little bit of a role in Independence Day, sort of helping with the resistance. Still, it's an American effort. It's very American triumphalant. That I didn't mean. What the hell was that word? Uh, it's definitely <laughs> a new word. <laughs> triumphalant. Um, and uh, you know, one thing I've noticed since Independence Day Resurgence came out, and you know, I'm actually really, really happy that it's faring well at the box office at here. this point. Um, I've seen some posts on Facebook of um, people I know with who are in the military or with military connections who love this movie and they make it like they talk about it like it makes them feel this huge sense of pride for being in the military and you know I'm not surprised because like the main <laughs> the main characters in this movie are definitely Will Will Smith's son and like this other guy yeah the, the, the white, young white attractive yeah, yeah fighter these young, pilots these young fighter pilots are clearly the protagonists but it's not it's not an accident that Matt and I have not talked about them. They're, they're kind of boring. Yeah. Um, they really were not good characters. <laughs> they're quite one dimensional and they're basically like the expressions of like, you know, that American will of like, we will fight, we will maintain our independence and um, we'll take down the enemy. And there's even a scene that I, I really thought was great in Independence Day Resurgence when these pilots get onto the mothership, I think, of these mm-hmm. aliens and like it's a whole ecosystem like yeah it's it's been made so that these aliens can survive in it and like there's this like swamp mm-hmm. and will smith's son and the good-looking white pilot are trying to hide from the aliens and they're like underwater 
and they're holding their breath and they're, they have their eyes open and they kind of look at each other like they have no problem holding their breath for extended amounts of time. <laughs> and it's clearly saying like, wow, look what military people are trained to do. Like they yeah. can do this and not be afraid and not freak out. And like, if I was in the military, I'd be like, yeah, we can do that because like, <laughs> they are trained to do that. And yeah. like, that's really cool. I couldn't do that. I would be flipping out after like 30 seconds. Um, yeah, that whole scene is just so easy. Everything happens in that scene kind of so easily. <laughs> yeah. They're sort of, they sneak onto this mothership. Somehow the aliens don't know they're there and they hang out for a little bit. The sort of the, the attractive male white fighter pilot even like pees at them as a sign of oh, yeah. like, right. disrespect. Yeah. <laughs> and they somehow are like able to still get away. Yeah. <laughs> no alien quickly blows him away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously our wish of the African warlord becoming the protagonist of the next one is not going to happen because these characters will be the protagonist yeah. again, but we can still hope that he will become even more of like a, a forefront character. Yeah. And I think if, again, anyone listening to this happens to know Roland Emmerich, just maybe, maybe let him, maybe tell him about this. Um, <laughs> you can go to our website, generalsnobbery.com. Yeah. Um, send him there. And I think he should strongly consider just having Sean and I write the third installment of Independence Day because we clearly, I think, have shown that we we like the characters and we like to see how they can be built upon just as they were from the prequel 20 years ago. Yeah, Matt and I have both written screenplays in the past. Uh, we are obviously very into film. So, uh, yeah, Roland Emmerich, we would be thrilled to do this. Um, that way you don't have to pay for five screenwriters. <laughs> yeah. um, just three, because we know that you like to co-write your films as yeah. well. We would love to work with you. Um, we are very open to audience uh, demands. So if you go to our website, generalsnobbery.com, you can uh, click contact and contact us with your ideas of what you would like in the third Independence Day. And we will do our absolute best to bring everything together and to not make it a bloated mess of a film, to, but to make it truly triumphant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, thank you for joining us again, dear listener, um, if you exist. <laughs> um, please check us out on Facebook, uh, like our page. And if you are enjoying our podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes. And we look forward to snobbing with you once again. Absolutely. Stay tuned for more. And that's the show today. I hope you enjoyed. Stay tuned to learn more details about the Independence Day 3 campaign that Roland Emmerich may let us write the script. 